Well, good morning once again. If you're a guest with us, I'm really glad you're here. We uh, have been in a two-part series that we'll finish today called The Road uh, to Easter. And I don't know about you, but there is so much in me that longs for a resurrection and a new world. Uh, when we look around our world today, uh, it, it, what do we see? We see um, wars and isolation and anxiety and division and pain. Uh, we, we, we look around and we see we need an Easter outside of us. But if we're honest this morning, maybe we need an Easter also inside of us. We need a perspective that allows us to see above and through the chaos of our broken world and the chaos in us. And Easter is the only perspective that can give you that. You see, our perspective is so important in life. How we see reality will determine how we make sense of reality. Our perspective is so important to life. Uh, I read about this a while ago. A daughter at college wrote to her mom. She said this, quote, dear mom, sorry, I haven't written sooner. Uh, my arm is broken and my left leg as well. I, I broke them when I jumped from the second floor of my dormitory when we had the fire we were lucky. A, a young service station attendant saw the blaze. He called the fire department. They were here in minutes, and I was in the hospital for a few days. Paul, the service station attendant, came to see me every day, and because it was taking so long to get back into our dormitory again, I moved in with him. He has been so nice. I must admit that I'm pregnant. Paul and I plan to get married just as soon as he can get a divorce. I hope things are fine at home. Love your daughter, Susie. Uh, P.S. Mom, none of the above is true, but I did get a C in sociology and I flunked chemistry. I just wanted you to receive this news in the proper perspective. <laughs> Friends, perspective is so important. It's so important. How can we get a perspective that allows us to see above and through the chaos of this broken world? Well, I'm glad you're here because that is the message of Easter. The good news that there is a perspective that allows us to go above called a resurrection perspective. I love the way W. Paul Jones, a Catholic priest, put it talking about perspective. He said this in an interview, what one sees depends on where one sets up one's shop. Mine is at the entrance of the empty tomb. How do we gain perspective in this broken world? How do we, how do we gain a perspective that reminds us that there is light breaking into the darkness? Where do we get that perspective? Well, this morning, Matthew would like to offer if we're willing to listen. And Matthew, and first, he invites us. He says, go and see the tomb. Go and see the tomb. Uh, the, look at our passage again that was read at the beginning of our service. We get this invitation to go 
and see in verse one. It says this, now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. Uh, this word here for see in the Greek is a word theoreo. Uh, theoreo. It's where we get our English word theory or to theorize. Uh, it, it, it's a word of, of study, of investigation, of, of looking into a situation. It's, it's coming into a situation, asking the question, uh, what truly happened here? The road to Easter is not asking you to bury your head in the sand with wishful thinking. It's asking you to be the, as most rational possible you can this morning to go and see the tomb, to, 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 to go to that road to Easter, to, to theoreo, to theorize. How do we do that? Uh, well, first, we have to examine the evidence. Where do we see the evidence for a resurrection perspective here? Well, uh, I see at least two we must consider. And the first is this in our passage. Woman means woman. Now, what do I mean? Well, we'll have to start by explaining the modern world and working back to the ancient world. Today in our modern world, any, any moment of eyewitness testimony, any reportage of facts or news, uh, we, we trust equally a woman's perspective or a man's perspective, or frankly, m- most often we trust a woman's perspective over a man's perspective. And I'll give you an example of this. Uh, in, in our marriage, Rachel and I, uh, when we meet someone new, they will ultimately ask at some point, how did you guys meet? How did you fall in love? How did you propose? Tell us about the wedding day. And usually I, I, in the past, I I would share a little bit there. And, and, and when they say, tell us Rachel and Tyler, what they mean is tell us Rachel. Uh, Why is that? Because they want to know all the details. They want all the feels of how we came to know each other and fall in love. They want to know everything. And anytime that I've tried to tell the story, I end up fumbling. I end up leaving parts out. Rachel has to step in and rescue with details I forgot about. And so now when anyone asks us, we meet someone new, they say, tell us, how did you fall in love? I just turn my chair and I look at Rachel. Just go ahead tell them I'm listening. It's now your turn to share. This is, this is our modern world, the reportage of facts. But in the ancient world, it was dramatically different. Uh, in the first century, in Greek culture, in Roman culture, in Jewish culture, uh, a, a woman's testimony was not trusted. Uh, they couldn't inherit property. Um, uh, their testimony was inadmissible in the court of law. Uh, they were seen as untrustworthy and unreliable. And now you may be asking, well, how is this evidence for the resurrection? How, how's, that, how's that making a point? Well, think of it this way. If you were going to fabricate the message that someone physically rose from the dead. If you're, you're just going to make up that story and you want, and you want that story to spread through all the known world about this guy rising from the dead. You would never in a million years make up the story with women being the first eyewitnesses. Uh, The problem is actually even bigger. This isn't just an an issue in the gospel of Matthew. In fact, every recorded scene uh, in all four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John have the women being the first eyewitnesses to the resurrection. The only reason Matthew would tell us the women are the first eyewitnesses is because the women were the first eyewitnesses. Uh, This is actually how Tim Keller puts it. He says this, There's no way the early church would have said women were the first witnesses unless women 
were the first witnesses. Women means women. Second, dead means dead. Uh, We have this uh, uh, way we approach the world now as modern people. Sometimes we look back at ancient people and we'll say, oh, you know, they, they, they were more given to superstition, uh, more giving to being duped by myths and fables. Uh, they're not like us modern people. Um, but what you have to understand, the miracle of the bodily resurrection of Jesus was just as outlandish, just as shocking to the first century Jewish hearers as it is, maybe even more shocking to them. Uh, because see, for, for the Jewish consciousness that Matthew is writing to, uh, all of their writing was pointing to there will be a bodily resurrection at the end of time. At the end of time, there will be a resurrection. But no one, no one believed that there would be a resurrection in the middle of history, right in the middle of history. It goes against everything they possibly believed. You see, they were expecting Jesus is going to ride into Jerusalem as king. They were expecting he's going, to, he's going to defeat the Romans. He's going to take out oppression and injustice and sit on the throne as the Messiah. But what we find is Jesus rides into Jerusalem to die, to be defeated by the Romans, to, to actually bear oppression and injustice. These women have had their dreams shattered. Uh, These women have not come to the tomb with hopes of a resurrection. They, They have come to the tomb in deep sorrow, deep anguish, deep sadness. Uh, They've come to care for what everyone expects, a dead body, because dead means dead. Uh, Mark's gospel uh, tells us that they brought spices with them. These these ancient spices they would bring uh, were to embalm this body, uh, partly for the stench that is a dead body, but also to honor the deceased. The woman came to care for a dead body because dead means dead. Friends, have you examined the evidence? But maybe for most of us today, that's not our issue this morning. Uh, Our issue is not examining the evidence. Some of you may feel that way. You may be here with doubts about a physical resurrection, and uh, I understand the level of those doubts. It's hard to believe that there is someone who rose in the middle of history. That is a, a big claim, and so I'm thankful you're here even amidst those doubts. But for most of us, Our bigger question is, what does the resurrection perspective mean for me today? Uh, What's its purpose? Uh, We need to examine the evidence, but secondly, we need to examine the meaning, the meaning. Uh, Look at verses three and four. It says this, "The, the angel's appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. Uh, Jesus has disappeared from this tomb and the guards, these soldiers have become ghostly pale and they've become ghostly pale for two reasons. The first reason is uh, we've read in the story, there's an earthquake that has happened and the epicenter is this tomb here in Israel. And secondly, connected that he also sees a angel uh, there at the tomb and you don't see those very often. So that's the first reason. The second is uh, these soldiers knew the implications of this moment. Uh, The soldiers were given a command. You will guard this tomb with your life. This dead body will not be removed from this tomb. 
And knowing that they had failed, they knew what awaited them. Uh, in, in ancient times, uh, they would have been subject to beating with sticks and stones as punishment, most likely to the point of death. And if they barely survived, they would have been an outcast and exile for life. The road to Easter is about having the right perspective. Have you examined the meaning? A question for you this morning. Have you ever had a moment in your life where you had the wrong perspective? Uh, you, 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 looking back on a situation, you look back and you go, oh, I, I, was, I was wrong on that situation. And some of you may be here. Uh, just one that comes to mind in the last uh, 20 or so years. Has anyone heard of Y2K? Y2K, yeah. Uh, for those of you here who were not alive yet or don't remember, there was this huge unknown speculation of what was going to happen when we went from the year 1999 to the year 2000. And the reason was all computer coding had been abbreviated. So instead of coding 1999, they coded 99. And with going to zero, zero, the belief was it's going to go back to the 1900s rather than 2000. So it was this huge uh, upheaval. We believed there was going to be a technology collapse. Uh, a lot of people were thinking banking systems were going to shut down. Uh, planes, they said, were literally going to fall out of the sky at midnight. Do not get on a plane. The safety of weapons systems would be compromised. Basically, all out chaos in the world with Y2K. However, at midnight, January 1st, 2000, the world celebrated a new year. And thankfully, no planes fell out of the sky. I, I know people who stored away food. I, I, I've heard stories of people who built bunkers for Y2K. Bunkers with, with, with water and canned food to last years. It might, might have been some of you. But it was the wrong perspective. Maybe you didn't have an issue with Y2K. Maybe you didn't. But what about the wrong perspective on status, power, and approval? The irony is the one person who looks like he has power that Easter is the soldier. Uh, the one who, who, who looks like he has status, power, and approval on Easter is actually the one who felt like a dead man. And the irony of ironies is the one person who's supposed to be dead in a tomb has been raised to resurrection, power, status, and approval. Yes, like the guard, you can have a perspective on life that from all appearances, you look like you have it together. But the empty tomb exposes that way of life, that the perspective like that will only bring death. You will feel like a dead man inside. When the perspective of your life is centered on anything other than what happened in that tomb, you will struggle to find meaning and purpose. No matter your status, no matter the approval, no matter the power that comes, you will simply feel like a dead man inside, just like that soldier. Friends, we have to go and see the tomb if we want to find the right perspective for meaning in life. Uh, if we leave it to our culture to define what status power and approval look like, we will sadly end up just like this guard, feeling like a dead man inside. This is what happened actually to the famous Russian author, Leo Tolstoy. 
uh, Tolstoy uh, had just turned 50, and he wrote an essay called A Confession. Uh, in this confession, he, he shared, I, he turned 50, he says, I have a wife who, who loves me. I have, I have kids who love me. He, he, uh, he had just become famous. He's rich by this point. But at 50, he noticed a gnawing depression sinking in. Uh, and this is what he said. He wrote this. My life came to a standstill. This all happened when I had a wife who loved me, good children, large estate without much effort on my part, improved and increased. I was respected more than at any previous time. My name was famous. I could give no rational meaning to any single action or to my whole life. I was only surprised that I could have avoided understanding this from the beginning. Today or tomorrow, sickness and death will come to those I love or to me. Nothing will remain but stench and worms. Sooner or later, my affairs, whatever they may be, will be forgotten and I will not exist. Why go on making any effort? How, how could I fail to see this before? What will come of my whole life? Why should I live? Why wish for anything or do anything? Is there any meaning in my life that the inevitability of death does not destroy? Now, the first thing you may be thinking, I was thinking as well, can someone please give Tolstoy a hug this Easter? Jeez. But friends, do you feel like a dead man inside? Do you feel like you are struggling to make sense of your life? And what's the purpose? What's the purpose to all of this? Have you connected status, power, and approval to the things that Tolstoy experienced and realized only left him empty, longing for meaning, feeling like a dead man inside? Matthew invites us to have a resurrection perspective. Go and see the tomb. Go and see the tomb. Examine the meaning for your life from the only one to conquer death itself. So that's the first thing. Matthew invites us, if you want to gain a resurrection perspective for your life this morning, go and see the tomb. Uh, the second he invites us to is go and see him. Go and see him. Uh, look at our passage again. The, the women have gone to the tomb. They, they've investigated. They've, they've theorized. They, they've examined the evidence. Now, now they're journeying to tell the disciples that he is risen. They haven't encountered the risen Jesus yet until verse 8 where we read this. So the women departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, greetings. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshiped him. Friends, for us to go and see him will cause a dramatic response. I don't know if you've had this moment in your life. It's happened to me, but um, you have a friend or an acquaintance. You, you haven't seen them for a while. It's, it's been a while since you've seen them, many, many months. Uh, but the next time you see them, they have lost 70 pounds. Uh, it's dramatic. And yes, they were on keto. And, and you see them, and if you're like me, you just, you, you look great. You look fantastic. What, what have you been doing? You look amazing. But what we don't see from this response from these women, Jesus says, greetings, women. The, the women don't look at him and go, Jesus, you look great. Are you doing something different with your hair? Jesus, are you on keto? friends, to go and see him, to gain a resurrection perspective. 
that allows you to see above and through the chaos of this broken world around you and in you, you actually won't say anything at all. I mean, that's what we see from these women, at least at first. It tells us in verse nine, they came up, they took hold of his feet and they worshiped him. Uh, R.T. France, in his excellent commentary on this section, he says this, quote, to hold, to take hold of someone's feet in the ancient world is a recognized act of surrender and praise, end quote. To go and see him may have words, but it will for sure have worship. We will have to grab his feet this Easter and declare he is the true and only savior of this world. You see, the road to Easter is not true because it's good news. It's not true because it's good news, because let's face it, gosh, we need some good news in our world. We look around and we see wars, sickness, suffering, oppression, injustice, division, anxiety. We look around and say, gosh, can we just have some good news? No, friends, it's not true because it's good news. Rather, it is good news because it is true, because it happened, because it's real. Go and see him. He is risen. He is risen indeed. What does the road to Easter mean? What does the road to Easter mean? It means everything. It means no matter what is happening in your life, no matter the darkness, no matter the cave, no matter the uncertainty, uh, no matter the sickness, for those who go and worship, no matter how dark the tomb is, there is a resurrection coming on Sunday. It's good news because it's true. However dark life looks for you this morning, no matter the pain, no matter the sadness, no matter the uncertainty, no matter the tomb, there is a perspective that allows us to see that a resurrection is available to all who will go and see him. Do you have a resurrection perspective? I read a story recently about uh, the great Billy Graham. Billy Graham was a Baptist preacher from the last century. Uh, and Billy Graham was invited to a luncheon in his old age, uh, but he declined uh, because he had been diagnosed with Parkinson's disease and was feeling a, a bit hesitant, but he eventually uh, accepted the invitation and came to speak at this luncheon. And at the luncheon, he told a story about the great Albert Einstein, the physicist. Uh, Albert Einstein was on a train uh, leaving Princeton where he taught to go to another school for a lecture where he was going to be teaching. And uh, while he was on this train, the train conductor came up to punch the ticket uh, for him being on the train. And, and as the train conductor came up, Albert Einstein's looking around frantically. Where's my ticket? He's checking his jacket, checking his pants. He's looking through all his materials he has with him. He cannot find his ticket. And the train conductor says to him, oh, uh, Dr. Einstein, Dr. Einstein, do not worry. We know who you are. We know who you are. Do you, we, we're positive you bought a ticket. Uh, the train conductor goes on through that cart. He's punching all the tickets of everyone in that cart. And he's about to leave that train cart to head into the next one. And he looks back and he sees Dr. Einstein on all fours, still looking for his ticket. So he, he goes back to him and says, Dr. Einstein, please, please stop. Please. Everything's okay. You, you don't have to worry. We know who you are. 
uh, Albert Einstein uh, stood up and uh, he looked at this train conductor. He said, uh, young man, I too know who I am, but I don't know where I'm going. <laughs> Billy Graham continued at this luncheon. He said this quote, see the suit I'm wearing. It's a brand new suit. My wife, my children, and my grandchildren are telling me I've gotten a little sloppy in my old age. So I went out and bought a new suit for this luncheon and one more occasion. You know what that occasion is. This is a suit I'll be buried in. But when you hear I'm dead, I don't want you to immediately remember the suit I'm wearing. I want you to remember this. I not only know who I am, but I know where I'm going. Now that's a resurrection perspective. Friends, do you know where you're going? Do you, do you know who you are? Maybe more importantly, do you know whose you are? Whose you are? Go and see him. Go and see him. Uh, the road to Easter can give the perspective you need to find resurrection power, to see above and through all the chaos of this broken world and the chaos in you. Because Jesus has declared once for all that death will not have the final word. That there is a new world breaking in through him and there is nothing, no wars, no cancer, no pain, no sadness, no tears, no tombs. Nothing will stop resurrection power pulsating through your life if you will go and see him. If you will go and see him. That's a perspective that will give you clarity for who you are. And it's a perspective that will give you clarity and change where you are going. Go and see him. Happy Easter, friends. There is a reason to hope. There is a reason to hang on this morning. There is a reason to believe. Because Jesus is wiping away every tear. Jesus is making all things new. He's turning mourning into dancing. He's the only one who can. Because he's risen. He is risen indeed. Let's pray. Well, our gracious father, we thank you for the reality and the perspective of the resurrection. Spirit, we apply this hope to our hearts today. We desperately need it. That amidst this broken world, amidst the darkness, amidst the tombs, we all find ourselves in that there's a way out. There's a reason to hope. There's a reason to believe. Because he's risen. He is risen indeed. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. Amen.